You're listening to the Tahlequah First United Methodist Church's Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy listening to our message today and that we hope you check us out online at TahlequahUMC.org. Will you pray with me? Eternal God, in the reading of the scripture, may your word be heard. And in the meditations of our hearts, may your word be known. In the faithfulness of our lives, may your word be shown. And all of us gathered all around the world said, Amen. Our scripture lesson for today comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 20, verses 1 through 16. Listen to these words. The kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. After he agreed with the workers to pay them a denarii, he sent them into his vineyard. Then he went out around nine in the morning and saw other workers standing around the marketplace doing nothing. And he said to them, You also go into the vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. And they went. Again, around noon and at three in the afternoon, he did the same thing. Around five in the afternoon, he went and found others standing around. And he said to them, why are you just standing around doing nothing all day long? Because no one hired us, they replied. He responded, you also go into the vineyard. When evening came, the owner came and said to his manager, Call the workers and give them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and moving on finally to the first. When those who were hired at five in the afternoon came, each one received their denarii. Now, those hired when they first came thought they would receive more, but each of them also received a denarii. When they received it, they grumbled against the landowner. Those who were hired last worked one hour And they received the same pay as we did, even though we had to work the whole day in the hot sun. But he replied to one of them, Friend, did I, I did you no wrong, didn't I agree to pay you a denarian? Take what belongs to you and go. I want to give to this one who was hired last the same as I gave to you. Don't I have the right to do what I want and what belongs to me? Or are you resentful because I am generous? So those who are first, sorry, those who are last will be first. And those who are first will be last. This is the reading of Scripture. Thanks be to God. So if you remember, in this sermon series that we're in, The Short Stories of Jesus, a book by Amy Jo Levine, um, she lays out these three principles for us to remember as we think about and dive into these parables. The first is reducing the parable to a single meaning destroys the aesthetic as well as the ethical potential of the parable. And that within this, there is a surplus of meanings that we can draw from and learn from each time we read it. 
The second thing that she reminds us is that um, what makes parables mysterious or difficult is that they challenge us to look into the hidden aspects of our own values or lives. The third thing she reminds us is that we might be better off thinking less about what they mean and more about what they can do, remind, provoke, refine, comfort, or disturb. Friends, I have to be honest, as I was searching through um, the scriptures this week, I, I, I have, um, I, this is a fun little scripture to preach in this day and age, isn't it? What is justly given to us for those that work a certain amount of time? And, and, and we can look at this and say, well, was the landowner right? And was he right giving the, the wage that he'd promised those people to the same people who only worked an hour? I, I, I leave that up to you to discern. Because it is, like, we, we think about this in regards to the kingdom of heaven, and, and we, we open ourselves up to the possibility of what could be, of who gets in and who gets out. And, and, and that's one way of looking at this. And, and then the other way is you can look at it from the landowner's perspective, is that he's being super generous to a lot of workers, and maybe not so much to a few others. This is one of those scriptures that we could unpack and unpack and unpack. And, and you all won't stay around for as long as I would love to unpack this. And so I've got to, like, hyper-focus. And, and as I was hyper-focusing, I was using Levine's book to kind of discern what would be a good route to go. And then at the end of the chapter, she has this great little paragraph that says this. If we refocus the parable away from who gets into heaven and towards who gets a day's wage— we can find a message that challenges rather than promotes complacency. If we look at economics, at the, passing, at the pressing reality that people need jobs and that others have excess funds, we find what, we should, be, what should be a compelling challenge to any hearer. And that in the story, we learn what it means to act as God acts with generosity to all. And that's what these parables are supposed to do. I think about this parable, and I think about the generosity that we are called to share as people who follow Jesus. And aren't we supposed to give it all, our whole selves, and not hold anything back? Are we not supposed to be open to the possibilities of, of loving God and our neighbor in such a way that sometimes some people are going to get more and some people are going to get less, depending on what happens? But what if, what if this parable is challenging us to think about our generosity and how we share ourselves with others? I've been thinking about that, and, and to me, that's where I kind of land for this one this time around. I've read this, I, I, have, I, I have apparently preached on this before, because this is a Bible I use every time I preach, and it's highlighted. So that means I've, I've preached on this somewhere before. I couldn't find that sermon to dredge up to just read from you again. But as I, as I dive into this, I, I, I really think it, it, it's calling us to think about our generosity, and, and think about what we have and, and what we can share with the world, whether it's our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service, and our witness. And, and are we giving our whole selves to the world, or are we holding back and, and being selfish with those things? Because I think if we count the cost of what we're giving the world, we, we would be shocked at how much we're really giving of ourselves. 
But if we opened ourselves up to, to live life in such a way that lives could be touched and changed through everything we did, that everything we did, we were striving to help build the kingdom of God in such a way that lives can be touched and changed and transformed, which is what we're called to do, and we give our whole selves without judging who gets what, I think the world could be a better place. I'm reminded of the story of a man named Lonnie Porter, who was a janitor at United Theological Seminary. And when he wasn't doing his job, he was talking with students. His income was very small, but his heart was extremely large. Or as he put it, my mother taught me to do two things, sow and save. And so that's what he did. He sowed together a, a life of service at the seminary. He saved as much money as he could from his work at the seminary. That at the time of his death, he was able to create, that he was able through his work to have over $100,000 that established the African American Ministries program there in honor of his name all because he was willing to scrimp and save and do what he could to, to give something of himself, uh, give his whole self to them, that they, they felt so compelled, the trustees felt so compelled to make this in his honor. I don't know of a university that has a scholarship in honor or in memory of a janitor. If there's other ones out there, please let me know. But he was willing to share himself with the world in such a way, not only just his money, but through his relationships. I know in, in, in times where I've been, I've, I've enjoyed those relationships I've built with, with staff people of, and, and I love, you know, you always, love, you always want to love the people that serve you food. You always want to take care of them because they're serving you food. And I love those relationships. And we're called to establish those relationships because we never know where they may lead. Maybe be, there'll be that one person one day that may help you out of a dark place, or maybe there'll be that person that may just say something really nice to you that you needed to hear. But how we share ourselves with the world, that, that's really, like, I look at this, I look at this text today, and, and, I, and I really feel like that that's what it's calling us to do. It's calling us to look at ourselves, and how are we being generous with ourselves? Or are we looking at those other things? We could have looked at those intangibles. How many hours did they work? How many, you know, did they work all day or did they work part of day or did we work an hour? I think of the many times I've been on a mission trip. I remember a couple times, I've, this happened to me two or three times, where we've had people had to bail out for health reasons. I still make sure they always get their t-shirt because they were still part of the team up until that last moment when they had to cancel for whatever reason. And one of my favorite memories, I actually did this two times. Um, we, had a, we had a youth that had canceled for, to going on a mission trip with us. And, and what we did is we took their t-shirt and we would take it with us everywhere we went. And we'd say, look, so-and-so serving today. They're not doing much, but they're here. And, and, and we, would, you know, we would take it and, and we would you know, flat whatever. And we would you know, take it with us. They would go eat with us. They were the best youth to ever eat with us because they didn't cost us anything. You know, we would make sure that they were, we would take pictures with it to make sure that their presence were felt like they were still part of our team, even though they weren't there. And that's how we share our generosity. We share with what we have, all that we have, and we look to include everyone. 
without counting the cost or whatever work that they've done or will do. And we say that you have a place here. In the December 24th, 1996 issue of The Upper Room, there's this great little story. It goes like this. A gentle snowflake added to an already magical and mystical beauty of the season. I just finished presiding over the first of our candlelight services, and rather than waiting in the church until the late hour for the second service, I visited the hospitals and roamed a few stores still open for late shoppers. Reverend Long remembered. He continued on by saying, I saw some people in a flower shop and joined them, and soon a young boy, about seven or eight, came into the shop. His clothes were torn, his tennis shoes were well-worn. And he walked purposely over to the counter, and he asked the shopkeeper, do you have any roses for my mother for 10 cents? The shop owner replied, wait here just a minute, and I'll see what I can do for you. After serving the other waiting customers, the owner turned back to the little boy and said, I have good news for you. On Christmas Eve, we had special roses for young fellows who want for their mothers. And taking the lad's dime, he placed a dozen beautiful long stem roses in his arms. With a big smile on his face, the boy left the flower shop and headed home. Those of us looking, who looked on were warmed by what they had seen. And I know the shopkeeper felt the blessings of God for his generosity. The story shared by Kermit Young could be our story as well. When are those times have we made something possible for someone because we're willing to share ourselves for others without counting the cost, without looking and saying, well, you know, really cost this amount of money. I don't know how much a dozen roses go for, but I know that they go way more than 10 cents. But the owner was willing to do good and to do no harm. And this helped him stay in love with God even more. And so I want you to think about the challenge for this week. I want, to, I want you to open yourself up in the midst of all that is going on in our world and, and, and all that, that we can point to and all the things that we um, are wrestling with. And uh, How can you be generous with what God has already given you? Because it doesn't matter if you're zero or 99, you still have a lot to share with this world through your prayers, your presence, your gifts, your service, and your witness. And when you give your whole self to this world, lives are touched and changed. Think about those men who came in at 5 o'clock, who the owner came in and said, hey, it's 5 o'clock, I, need, I still need some work done, I'll give you a day's worth of wages, because that's really what he was paying, a day's worth of wages, come and work for me. Those guys were so grateful, just to get a, just an hour's worth of work, but a whole day's worth of wages. Versus the people that could have been satisfied with having a whole day's worth of work and a whole day's worth of wages. Instead, they weren't happy with the gift that they received. And I think that's what Jesus is teaching us. To be happy with what we receive. 
and to be open to sharing generosity no matter what the cost may mean. And so this week, be generous. Even in the midst of a global pandemic where we should be wearing our masks, social distancing, those are ways we can share generosity and God's love with everyone we come across. And so this week, I challenge you to be generous with your prayers, your presence, your gifts, your service, and your witness. And yes, it does look a little bit different these days. But when we open ourselves up to the possibility, the Holy Spirit comes in and shapes and changes us. Let us pray.